Hello and welcome to the Bikini Down Under, where I, Kate Loder, your host, will be interviewing IFBB professionals from New Zealand, Australia, and then abroad. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome everybody to the first episode of the Bikini Down Under. Today you'll be hearing from a force to be reckoned with. Not only is she qualified as a geologist, a geochemist, and has an MBA, she is also a qualified personal trainer and a talented posing coach. So without further ado, I bring to you Catherine Daniel, New Zealand's newest IFBB bikini professional athlete. First of all, I just wanted to congratulate you on getting your pro card. It is such an incredible achievement. Thank you so much. Thank you. Is it sunken in? It's starting to. It's, yeah. I've taken, it has taken quite some time, as I'm sure you can imagine. The first couple of days afterwards, no, it did not sink in whatsoever. And I don't think it will really truly sink in until I am standing on stage on Saturday in Auckland next to the other pros. I know, that is going to be an incredible feeling. When you walked out, my toddler actually just took one look at you and just said, wow. Oh, that's <laughs> so, so sweet. Yeah, like, we were, like you know how it takes so long with all the guys coming out, we're like, come on, bikini, you've got to get into work. And then, yeah, when you came out, it was just like, wow, took my breath away. You're incredible. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. So getting into the questions, where did you grow up, Catherine? So I grew up in a uh, city in South Wales in the UK, a small city. I say small, it's not all that small. It's probably about the same size as Wellington, a city called Swansea. And I spent most of my, I spent all of my childhood uh, in Swansea. And we, um, before emigrating um, back in 2004 to New Zealand. Brilliant. So did you come out here for work or you just wanted to... Yes, we did. Both my husband and I, we weren't married at the time, but we had been together for quite some time. We both came out here for work. I was recruited by a uh, by a consultancy here in New Zealand based in Christchurch, and it was a very it was a very quick turnaround. I think I resigned from my position in the UK. I was hired the following week, and within a month I had arrived in New Zealand. So it all happened very very fast, but it was all planned. We had made the decision that we were going to uh, emigrate to New Zealand, but didn't expect it to occur as quickly as it did. Sure. Well, and you've mm-hmm. had no, no um, chance of going back to Wales? <laughs> uh, we, I have no plans to move back permanently. Uh, this, yep. is my ho- this is my home now. We have been living in New Zealand for nearly 16 years. It would be 16 years December the 10th for me. Right. We have, yeah, we have moved around um, a fair bit throughout New Zealand. We started off in Christchurch. That's where I was uh, uh, hired to work. Uh, yeah. Started off in Christchurch, and we lived in Christchurch for six years before moving to the North Island to live in Topo. Uh, we lived there for another five years, and we have been uh, in Wellington ever since. Brilliant! It's a great city. Mm. Certainly, it's wonderful. Uh, yeah, I couldn't ask. I mean, the whole of New Zealand is just outstanding. Um, we 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 are New Zealand citizens now, so we uh, we have our uh, New Zealand passports. Um, and New Zealand has has been nothing but amazing to us. The opportunities that we've been afforded here 
in New Zealand far outweigh anything that we would have had the opportunity to do in the UK. So I'm very, very thankful for that. How does the weather compare to Wales (laughs) in New Zealand? It's it's pretty much, uh, it's pretty much this, uh, hmm, that's a tough one. I was going to say it's pretty much the same. Uh, It rains a lot more in Wales and uh, the whole year around. So the weather is definitely better in New Zealand. You uh, seem to have four distinct seasons, which is great. Unlike Wales, where where it just rains the entire year round. Sure. Can be pretty depressive. Can be pretty depressing at times. I'm finding that actually up in Auckland, like there's a lot of rain. Like Christchurch is cold, but you sort of get those Mm -hmm. clear, crisp days. Um, So yeah, it's got a beautiful, fine day. But yeah, lots of rain since we've been up in this last month. I can actually, I can actually vouch. I can definitely vouch for that. Uh, The I've been to Auckland many, many times, and I can count on one hand the number of times that it has been fine and dry yeah, and sunshine sunny. in Auckland. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Not good for paddleboarding, but we'll look no, I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's not. <laughs> but yeah. So what are you currently doing for work at the moment? So I am, um, let's, let's just say I'm, I'm currently a lady of leisure. Beautiful. I, 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 do not, I do not work at the moment. I, I have worked my whole um, adult life. I resigned from um, uh, a position that I held um, for a number of years back in April. And the reason I resigned was because I had lost my passion for that particular line of work. And I'm not quite sure what my passion is just yet. And I'm taking some time out to work out what that is before delving back into the world of work. Thankfully, I have a, a very supportive husband um, right. who, who has been very, very supportive. I'm sure he is very eager um, to also see me get back into the world of work. Um, <laughs> but I, but I, need to, I need to find that passion first. Totally. Um, hmm. Great. Um, and also, so how many, um, did you play any other sports or anything competitively growing up or was bikini sort of at you? I was very active as a child uh, from the from the age of about five until I was sixteen or seventeen. I was a competitive gymnast. Uh, my brother was also a competitive gymnast, and my father was a coach. So I guess wow. you could say it, so. I guess you could say it ran in the family, so to speak. So that's that's really all I knew uh, grew, growing up as a child. I was also in the in the sort of uh, my early teens. I was also a track and field athlete, pretty much a sprinter and long jump were my specialties. Awesome. And when I was in school, I played all the usual uh, school sports that you can possibly think of. So very, I did have a very active childhood. Yes, great. And did you get any um, injuries from gymnastics? I think it was why my mum pulled me out of it. Um, the, all the all the coaches were hobbling around. And you said, "I'm not going to have you have a bad back." But yeah, I played. I mean, I was doing it competitively up until about 13. Thankfully, I didn't suffer any major any major injuries. Just the usual uh, bumps and bruises and scrapes that you get from falling off the apparatus, etc. Um, yeah. So, so nothing. Uh, nothing, nothing too major. I don't really have. Uh, I don't have any broken. But I actually broke. I actually broke a finger playing netball. 
Um, so probably netball is more uh, is more of a risky sport maybe than gymnastics. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> playing against others. Awesome. Mm. So how long have you been competing and what made you get into it in the first place? So I've been competing since September 2017 was my first show. That was the Wellington show. Yeah, what made me get into it? So that's a total of what? That's like maybe just over yeah. two years. Yeah. So impressive well, to have your pro card. <laughs> <laughs> I have competed a number of times over those two years, as, I'm, as I'll probably tell you later on. What made me get into it was I decided to go to the gym. I was recovering from um, a back injury that I sustained back in back in 2008, I think it was, and it was a back injury where I, I prolapsed two of my discs in my lumbar region. Mm. So that took, uh, it was probably close to three, three and a half years before I was pain-free from that. And as a result of that, I decided to go into the gym to start strengthening uh, my body, to start strengthening my back and my core especially. And that's when I got in, I started to sort of get into lifting weights, I guess. Yeah. Um, then I decided to enjoy the gym. I enjoyed my time in the gym. And then I decided as a result of that, that I was going to do something with it. So I decided to do my personal training qualification. Great. So I have done that and I'm now a certified PT. I think it's a, is it level four. I think I am Maybe yeah. level five. I'm not sure. Um, so I did that and, and then I decided I was spending a lot of time in the gym. I was spending, I was training. I was loving it. But I thought to myself, what am I? What's my next step here? What am I? What am I doing? Uh, what's the What's the future for me in this, other than being a personal trainer? And that's when I decided to. I just simply decided to compete. It. I don't know. Maybe it was just one day I woke up and I thought, oh, okay, I'll I'll give that a go. You know, I'm 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 approaching uh, an age where you would not expect most people to come to that conclusion of getting up on stage and competing but that's what and I decided to do. Bikini. <laughs> yeah and, that, and so that's what I decided to do I just decided to compete from there and 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 here we are today. Brilliant so did you see other people competing in the gym or did you just sort of see it on Instagram or how did you sort of come to that? There was one girl who I did my personal training course with she had previously competed uh, in a sh- in the in the Wellington show, I think maybe two years prior to us doing the course together, and we had a brief chat about it, and it just intrigued me. I was already following a number of competitors um, on Instagram, but they yeah. were I think the vast majority of them were WBFF competitors, sure. the likes of Rachel Dillon and Lauren Simpson, etc. But I kind of knew that WBS, I wanted to compete, but WBSS was not going to be the federation for me. I sure. knew that. I knew that straight off. So, and that's when I found the IFBB Pro League. Brilliant. You see, I thought about the WBSS as well, but then it was just so much gear that you've got to get and the posing. Mm-hmm. It's like the regimented um, posing with the IFBB. You sort of know what you're doing. I agree. Within, yes. within reason. <laughs> Absolutely, <But> yes. <laughs> awesome. So where and when did you get your pro card? I know because I was there, but we'll tell the audience. I got my pro card um, approximately, I think it's two weeks, not, not quite two weeks ago now. And that was the 
Natural Nationals 2019 that was held in Auckland. And yeah, that's where I, uh, that's where I turned pro effectively. Brilliant. And how many shows had you competed at before you got your pro card? <laughs> Quite a few. Um, <laughs> so I, to, to date, um, I have competed in 12 shows. Awesome. So that's 12 shows in two years. I have done three national shows here in New Zealand. I have done four regional shows. Wow. And I've done five international shows in those Gosh. two years. So oh, it certainly, it certainly didn't, um, it didn't happen overnight. There was a lot of hard work involved. And yeah, we finally got there after two years of some hard work. Incredible. And did you have the same coach the whole time or did you coach yourself? No. So I originally, when I first started competing, I had a coach um, here in Wellington, a fantastic guy, and we're still in contact uh, right you know, today. Um, so there's no you know, bad blood or anything like that. So sure. this, this is a guy, uh, Joel Ashworth. So he's a PT based here in um, in Wellington, he has competed himself, not in IFBB, but I think he has competed in NABA before. Yeah. So he is experienced in the competition world. And I was training one-on-one training with Joel up until, so from the start, which was September 2017, up until April of this year, 2019. Right. And then I decided to switch coaches sure. and I wanted to join Kurt Dell's team, uh, Team Next Level. And so I made contact with Kurt and we had a chat over text and yeah, and that's, I joined Kurt. Brilliant. And now you're a professional. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, I am. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so what do you think sort of been a game changer? Like, do you think um, by having Kurt, like, he really sort of ramped things up for you and, yeah, help, helped you along, obviously, towards getting the goal of going pro? I think one of the bonuses of working with Kurt, I mean, there are many. Sure. Um, one, of the, one of the bonuses of working with Kurt is that, one, he is um, uh, aligned with the Federation. He is an IFBB pro himself. So he knows the Federation inside out. He knows what the judges are looking for. He knows the sort of physique that you need to build to be able to turn pro. Sure. Um, His, Kurt's knowledge as well of training, programming, nutrition, and just the human body in general is second to none. Absolutely second to none. So um, I I have no doubt at all that Kurt has um, been able to impart a significant amount of knowledge on me um, over that period of over that very short period of time that has enabled me to really build um, the physique that the ISBB Pro League are looking for to turn pro. Sure. Yes, I saw him out the back um, talking to one of his clients and he seemed really attentive. So, yeah, I mm-hmm. think you're, you're obviously in really good hands. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. 
So mm. would you think at this point that like, you would never dream of, um, even with your experience and knowledge, that like, you'd never sort of um, go it alone? You think it's really crucial to have a coach? I think the the issue that I have with trying to train myself is that I don't feel that I have an objective eye when it comes to um, assessing myself and assessing my physique and what I look like, particularly particularly in the run-up to a competition. In the off-season, I'd probably be okay. Um, I'm pretty confident with my own training. I'm pretty confident with my own programming. As I said, I do do have a PT qualification, so I'm relatively knowledgeable in that area. But when it comes to prep, prep is a different perhaps a different game mm. and what you find is the closer you get to competition as well the more um the more it, uh, it, it the more it messes with your head in terms sure. of what you look what you look like and what you see in the mirror and i absolutely need that objective opinion and i guess that qualified second eye that kurt has to yeah. tell me what what tell me exactly what i look like and what I need to do. Yeah, no, totally agree. Mm. Absolutely. So next question, do you get feedback? That's what I'm always curious. Um, mm. At the smaller shows, do they, and if so, did you get any from the last comp to sort of take you, you know, towards your pro debut? So I can't stress enough to all of the, the um, particularly the ladies and any other competitor out there who is listening to this podcast that obtaining feedback from the judges as soon as possible after competition is absolutely crucial. Your, sure. goal, your goal should always be to improve upon your previous physique in line with what the judges tell you they are looking for. So after every single competition that I have done so far, and I'll say with the exception of the last one, yeah. I, have, I have sought feedback from the judges and I have done my utmost to try and improve on those areas that they've told me to. So, sure. and, and, and those areas have ranged. Um, as you can imagine, when you're starting out, you do have a lot of improvements to make on your physique. Yeah. So those improvements have ranged everything from um, I need wider lats, I need wider shoulders, bigger shoulders, bigger glutes, I need to come in fuller. Um, so there's, there's a huge variety of things, um, variety of things that I have been told over the years that I need to improve upon. And my goal has always been to improve upon those time and time sure. again. Yes, you know, definitely. Um, yeah, so what, uh, getting on to the next question, what sort of mindset do you think you need to have in order to go pro? Um, I think what uh, bikini girls and any other competitor need to appreciate and acknowledge is that typically turning pro is not something that occurs overnight. There have been the odd occasions where a competitor has turned pro very, very quickly. But for the most part, this sport, and I know this sounds a cliche, but this sport is a marathon and not a sprint. There are very few people out there that already have the physique that the judges are looking for to turn pro. So it requires a hell of a lot of work in the gym. 
for in, in terms in terms of the mindset required, you uh, you need to be very ambitious. You need to be determined. You need to have discipline, and you need to be able to have focus. You also need to be able to take criticism. Um, this is not a sport for snowflakes. Sorry to, be, <laughs> to, sound, to sound harsh. No, um, for sure. You, when you get up on stage, um, as much fun as it is, you are putting yourself on stage to have your physique critiqued and compared against the competitors next to you. So you have to have a very thick skin in this sport. Definitely. Um, and that goes all the way from from amateurs all the way up to 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 being uh, to pros as well because they go through. I'm sure um, I haven't stepped on stage with a pro yet, but I'm sure the pros go through exactly the same thing. Yeah. So with that being said, would you say you still get nervous on stage day? Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. The nerves. Uh, I will always. I'm pretty sure I will always get nervous. Yeah. Um, I'm always I'm always incredibly nervous before I step on stage. I will I will not deny that. However, yeah. I am also very very good at putting on a facade. <laughs> that, sounds, <laughs> that, sounds, that, that might sound strange, but I can. You're gonna I look can, like you're owning it. Yeah, I can. Even if you know, I can exude that confidence on stage, even when I'm even when I'm shaking inside. And wow. that's what and that's what you have to do. You have to do it. This is your it's your moment on stage. Um, you, as an amateur or as a pro, the amount of time that you have on stage is short. That is your time to own it. Definitely. Oh gosh, yes, I can't. Um, yeah, I remember when I was standing up there, they kept calling my name, and I was just in my own little world, and I, I didn't even mm-hmm. hear them calling my name. It's just, <laughs> it, it is such a nerve-wracking thing. So it I it, ha- it, it, abso- it absolutely happens. Forgetting your yeah. name, forgetting your number. Your number? Yes. No, yeah, it was my number. I was like, what? And I kept them, like someone nudged me. I was like, oh god, how embarrassing. But anyway, we got there in the end. <laughs> but. Um, so now that you're in the pro league, Catherine, do you feel like there's a pressure to keep competing? And by that I mean you often sort of hear the American girls in the NPC saying they need to sort of feel relevant, like they need to be seen a lot by the judges in order to place well. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think that's a thing? or I can't speak for the U.S. I yeah. You know, I, I, I have never, you know, as, as an amateur, you, uh, as an amateur not being resident in the U.S., you're not able to compete in the MPC. So for for those girls in the States, perhaps they do feel that pressure to remain relevant and to stay in front of the judges. And maybe the pros also feel that sure. too. Here yeah. in New Zealand, here in New Zealand, it might be a little bit different. We don't have as many competitions here in New Zealand and I guess in the Southern Hemisphere, particularly in, you know, in, in Oceania, we don't have as many competitions here. Um, so for me, I don't believe that I need to rush back on stage um, in 2020 in order to remain relevant. Sure. Yeah. So you take a decent off-season and... That's my, that's my plan. I have been on prep for quite some time, <laughs> um, yeah. as I'm sure you can imagine. So I am looking forward to uh, a long 
of what I call improvement season as opposed to an off season, because sure. as you know, as a, as a as a bodybuilder and as a competitor, there is no such thing as an off season. You're never off. Uh, sure. You're always in, you're always improving on your previous physique. So I'm looking forward to a long um, off season to improve upon what I currently have in order to bring something really good next year. Brilliant, and no doubt you will. What do you think the judges are looking for in terms of the package they want you to bring to stage in the bikini division? Like, for example, hair or posing or... Mm. Um, we'll start with physique. So in my opinion, the judges are looking for... They're looking for that classic X shape. They're yeah. looking for shoulders that are wider than the waist. They're looking for glutes that are wider than the waist. Um, what I, I guess what I mean by that is I don't believe the judges are looking for bikini competitors who have enormous shoulders and sure. enormous and enormous glutes. They're looking for symmetry and they're looking for shape. So if you've got shoulders, your nice rounded shoulders that are wider um, than your waist and you've got nice rounded glutes that are larger than your waist, then you've got that X shape that I believe the judges are looking for. The other thing I think the judges are looking for is, uh, and I think this is probably more so, I'll, I'll caveat this, and this is probably more so with uh, more experienced competitors and pros, they're looking for conditioning. I think conditioning is absolutely key. And conditioning doesn't come easy and it doesn't mm. come quick. Conditioning takes time. It takes a long, long time to develop conditioning. It's not something that can be generated over a period of weeks or months, and it's not something that can be definitely not something that can be generated during peak week. Yeah, right. So conditioning takes a long time to work on, and so competitors need to um, appreciate that. And then I think what else the judges are looking for, they are looking for that overall package. So not only shape and physique, but they are looking for somebody who um, is confident on stage, looks like they are enjoying themselves on stage. Um, if, if, you, if, you, if you're on stage and you're not enjoying yourself and you'd rather be somewhere else, the judges will notice that. Mm. They, absolutely, they absolutely will. So even if you don't want to be there, smile and look as if you do want to be there. Um, it will go, it'll work in your favor, I guarantee it. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. And I think the other thing that they look for, so in terms of the overall package, they are looking for flawless posing, posing that is quite fluid, uh, posing that is simple and not too complicated. The other thing I think they're looking for is do look for your hair and makeup. So just make sure, ladies, that, you know, you are well-groomed. Um, most ladies you know, acknowledge that they have to show up on stage with hair and makeup that is on point. And so the judges are also looking at that too. And then Definitely. last but not least, you must have a good tan. Yes. A, tan can, a tan can be the difference between first and second place. Totally. So do you get the, um, the tans that they offer you or do you go and get your own one? Yes, I do get the tans um, that they offer us here in New Zealand. They, um, they use, uh, as far as I'm aware, they use a combination of ProTan, um, sure. ProTan for a base, and then they use another a tan called Yan, Yan Tanner, I think it is, for the show day tan. That has always worked very, very well for me. Um, I don't turn weird colors using that combination. What I do, what I do though, is I 
on the Thursday, if the show is on a Saturday, on the Thursday night, I will do my own uh, tan with Pro Tan using the overnight competition color. Okay. And that gives that gives me a nice base for the for the tan that is offered by the Federation on the Friday. Brilliant. And do you, so you sl- you sleep in it, don't you? You don't wake up and shower the next day. Not typically. Only the only time I have ever showered is if something has gone drastically wrong in the night, and sure. I and I and I've sweated, and, yeah. which has made my tan run. And there are ways to prevent that. If you want some tips and tricks on how to keep your yes, tan looking please. looking looking fresh, <laughs> so I guess always always treat your tan with with respect, uh, bearing in mind that you've just you've just been sprayed. It, it's not absorbed into your skin yet, so it's literally just sitting on top of the skin. So just treat it with a little bit of respect. Don't rub it. Do not come into contact with any fluids, liquids, water, anything like that, because you will you will ruin your tan. The other thing I recommend is always sleep with clothing on. Right. If you can, if you can sleep with long sleeves um, to cover your arms and long pants as well. The reason I, I I say this, and this is through my own trial and error, is that you will sweat more if you don't wear clothes. And then when your skin comes into contact with other parts of your body, such as your one arm touches the other, or an arm touches your torso, or one leg touches the other, you will sweat in that point. And that will Definitely. take the tan off. And, and that will take the tan off. I think that's what happened to me wearing a skirt straight after it. I think I should have worn pants from the get go. Mm. Um, yeah, but absolutely. we live and <laughs> yes, yeah. So always, if you can, if you can, always sleep in long sleeve clothing. This is my this is my suggestion, and try and sleep in a room that is as cool as you can bear. Great, and preferably not white sheets. <laughs> no, definitely not white yeah. sheets. And uh, and another another tip that I will say is also show a little bit of respect if you are. Uh, competing in a city or a town that is not your hometown, so you're not in your own bed and you're staying in a hotel, please respect the hotel as well. Don't sleep on their white sheets. I can assure you they will charge you for it when they find them the following day. So I I always bring my own sheets. I know some of the ladies also have those Look, uh, sleeping bag liner type of things that protect your tan and protect the protect the sheets. But I always bring my own sheets. They are black, and I remake the bed as soon as I arrive at my hotel. Brilliant, great advice. Mm-hmm. So, do you think there's a difference in what the judges are looking for um, between amateurs um, as opposed to a pro, or is it quite similar? The similar sort of egg shaped look, like it doesn't really vary. I think shape wise, I think they're looking for the same. I think where there may be a little bit of a difference is in the conditioning. Sure. I think there is obviously an expectation that as a pro or for somebody who is at the top of the amateur level looking to turn pro very soon, their conditioning needs to be on point. Um, mm. I think as, as an amateur, particularly as a, maybe as a, as a first timer or a very a young competitor, maybe late teens, early 20s, you probably won't have had the time to develop that level of conditioning. Some, sure. some may, some may, of course. Um, but for the most part, I guess, 
most ladies won't be able to develop that condition. And I think the judges would prefer you to um, to come in maybe a little bit softer mm. rather than trying to get yourself conditioned and coming in very, very lean and, 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 and to use a word that I don't like to use often, but very lean and scrawny. Sure. No, completely yeah. agree. I've, I've heard mm. Sandy, um, one of the head judges over in the US, saying exactly that they'd rather us sort yeah. of come in a little bit fuller before we sort of get that muscle. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. And so, Kath, can you tell us what a typical peak week would look, look like for you? Mm. Without giving away all your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. So, um, yeah, and, I, I, and of course, I guess one of the things I will say, so my peak week plan um, is... Uh, developed by Kurt. Sure. But I want, I also want to stress that there, I guess to a certain extent, there is, there is no such thing as a firm set in stone peak week plan. Almost every single peak week will be different mm-hmm. because it depends upon your, I guess your starting point, your end point and what you look like just before you start your peak week. Great. So, so I think, um, so my peak week, very little changes, if I'm perfectly honest, to previous weeks, because I always like to be ready early. Sure. A peak, week, a peak week is never a time to make drastic changes to your diet, and it's not the time where you're trying to make um, big advances or changes in your physique you've either got it at this particular point in time or you haven't yeah definitely so um so uh, so kurt and i well uh, through not so much through trial and error because thankfully we haven't had a lot of errors um but we keep things relatively consistent i do not cut water and i do not water load right my my water pray stays pretty much the same as it always has done. So I drink, I drink a lot of water, so I'm anywhere between, say, four to six liters a day, and I keep that consistent through peak week. And wow. then towards the end of peak week, as I come close to the Saturday of the competition, Kurt will decide what to do with the water. I also keep sodium the same. So I, don't, I, I do not cut sodium at all. Sure. Um, there may be a time maybe on the Friday where I may drop sodium out of a meal, but I never drop it out completely, ever. Right. Mm. Good to know. Yeah, because I yeah. think a lot of people think you need to do all these drastic things. So I guess by the question, I just wanted to let people know that it, it doesn't need to be crazy and you're either sort of ready or, or you're not. Or, you, or you're not. Yeah, peak week, is, peak week should not be seen as some um, magic week in your prep phase where things are going to miraculously change or improve. Yeah. I think, I think that's a key message. Totally agreed. Mm. Brilliant. So what sort of things do you eat on show day? I'm always curious. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, I have breakfast. Um, yeah. I, I start my day, so even, on, even on show day, I start my day with a coffee. All, all, my, all my days are started with a coffee. Um, yeah. Actually, actually, most days are started with two coffees, but on on show day, it's just one. Um, so I'll have a cup. I'll have a cup of coffee. I'll have my breakfast, which typically on show day will consist of uh, a carb sauce and a protein sauce. For me, that's usually white rice and chicken. 
that's my breakfast. I might have another meal mid-morning. This all depends upon the timing of the competition, of course. And sure. this, is all, this is all assessed by Kurt, depending upon what I'm looking like. Um, and then throughout the show day, um, again, depending upon what I'm looking like, my food is normally rice cakes and yeah. perhaps almond butter. Sure. I'm not a honey eater. I hate honey. Sorry to all the honey lovers out there. I am more of a I'm more of a I'm more of a jam girl, so it'll be strawberry jam for me and and salt as well. Um, but I'm being constantly assessed by Kurt every couple of hours. Sure. So he will, so he will decide what to eat. Brilliant. And what do you, what does the salt do? Is that, so does that like help dry you out, or what? What's the purpose of that? Um, so the salt in combination with a little bit of water just goes straight to the muscles and, um, I think for want of a better word, just plumps them out. Great. And I'm just also um, curious, when you're sort of doing that many shows back to back, do you try mm. and sort of keep your calorie intake the same um, or, or do you reverse into the next comp or sort of how do you sort of tackle doing so many comps in a row? So what we've done so far I obviously, so I have a, a plan, as I've mentioned, of what I would normally eat uh, and the quantities of volumes on peak week. And I have plans um, of what I eat on other days and other, other weeks, I should say, that is not a peak week. So the, I will normally allow myself maybe one or two days after competition where I eat off plan. Basically, yeah. I just eat what just eat what I want. And then, so it's usually the Monday following the competition where I will get straight back onto the plan that I was on two weeks out of show. Great. Um, normally on the Monday and the Tuesday, we might typically drop down carbs a little bit just to try and get rid of some water retention that would have occurred from my slight overindulgence on the Sunday. Yeah, much um, needed though. <laughs> yeah, but really I'm straight back into, I'm straight back into my normal eating. So there's, I wouldn't say it's reversing, it's just um, a consistent eating plan that I stick to. Sure. So we all want to know this, I'm sure, because you have incredible glutes. What does your training <laughs> you. you really do? I saw your before shot and then your after, and just like, wow, that is impressive. <laughs> like, was there much of a time difference between those two shots, or um, was I can't remember which one that was. Was that one with a blue bikini and? Uh, I think and, so. Yes. Um, like, yeah, I so, think you I wrote in it. Be, be kind <laughs> to your first shot. <laughs> I think, um, so that first shot would have been my first competition in September 2017. And the other shot was probably one of my more recent ones from this year, 2019. So there is a two-year difference. Yeah, and, still, that's so uh, impressive. Training, uh, so uh, glute growth, the, the glutes are an enormous muscle. They take a lot of training. Um, yeah, and right. They take, uh, they take a while to grow, I guess, like any, like any muscle group on a female. Muscles take uh, much longer to grow on us. So uh, to get the glutes that look like that, there's a, there's a lot of hip thrusts involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank my, you, Brit. <laughs> which are typically my go-to uh, glute exercise. So, yeah, uh, hip thrusts, glute bridges, and then... I guess you also need to have 
a multitude of other glute accessory exercises in your in your arsenal, in your gym bag of tricks. Sure. Um, and I have, yeah, I have a number of accessory exercises that I also do to target the, I guess, um, muscles different individually angles. then. Yeah, different angles. Yeah. And, and would you do a couple of days of upper body as well or is it mostly sort of lower body focused? So I train, I train six days a week without fail and I have one full rest day a week. Yeah. And I do um, a 3-3 split. So I do three days upper body and then I do three days lower body. Uh, two of those are typically glute focused mm-hmm. uh, on, on the lower body with one day, um, one day leg focus. Great. That's, and would, that's, my, that's my typical split. Sure. And would you mix your cardio in with that or do you go, go back later in the day for a second session? Oh, this is where I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get hate mail for this. Um, <laughs> I, I don't do cardio. <gasps> what? I don't do, any, I don't do any cardio. None at all. Wow. No, That's none insane. at all. So is because you're manipulating your nutrition so well? Or? Yeah, so, so since, I, uh, since I started with Kurt, which was, um, you know, we, we first had a chat, I think, in April, end of April, and I think I started with Kurt in May, I have not. I have not done a jot of cardio. Um, I sometimes, I, I, in, the, in the early in the early weeks, um, I might have thrown in um, maybe a couple of hit sessions of my own making, just for my own. Um, I don't know for my own entertainment because I sometimes enjoy hit. But for, for for quite some time now, maybe three months, um, I have not done a jot of cardio. Wow! And I you and I honestly. I honestly put that down to um, I put that down to consistent good nutrition. Sure. And yeah, crucial and and really hard uh, resistance training. Yeah, right. Yeah. Wow. Mm, so if if you could pick one exercise, which yeah, I know we've got lots of them to choose from, but for your delt back glutes and hamstrings what would be your favorite um for each of those um i guess i have my uh i have my favorites that i like to do but sometimes they may not necessarily be the best for growth so what i'll do i'll concentrate on what i believe i think is best to grow that particular muscle um so for doubts uh, I think it's important that you, or I guess, important that people realise that you have three of them, mm-hmm. and you have to, you have to target um, all three of them. Um, right. So, so whilst there may be um, there may be a couple of exercises that will target shoulders in general, you actually do need to target um, all three uh, delt heads um, mm-hmm. to get those good rounded shoulders. Uh, my favorite exercise is for the medial or lateral delt, um, and that is lateral delt raises. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. That's, that's my favorite for delt. Um, what was the other one, back? For back, yes. My favorite for back is uh, a lat pull-down using the V-bar attachment, not the wide bar. Um, okay. Yes, yeah, so the reason I like... Um, the reason I prefer the V-bar is that the V-bar is the one that actually targets the lats. Sure. Not, 
not the not the wide bar grip attachment. The wide bar grip attachment um, targets the slightly smaller accessory muscles at the back of the shoulder, right? And not and not the lats. Great, good to know. Mm. And mm. the glute. So would it be the hip thrust? <laughs> yeah, it's got to be the hip thrust. I'm afraid. Um, mm. Hip thrust, hip thrust, or a glute bridge, which are also bridge. very very good. Yep. And I'm not. Um, I'm not a. I do like to go heavy, but I'm also. Um, I also don't go ridiculously heavy. I find that the heavier I go, the less I. Um, the less I'm able to feel it in my glutes, and the more sure. my the more my form becomes compromised. So it's it's, it's a work in progress. So um, you do need to go heavy, um, but don't go heavy that don't go so heavy that form is compromised. Yeah, and you recruit other muscles rather than the glutes. Mm, absolutely, definitely. Then what about the hamstrings? The old glute tie-in. Ah, okay. So um, it's a tough one, this because I do. I actually do love working hamstrings. It's one of my favourite ones to um, to work. And I'm having trouble choosing a favourite one. I would say that it's probably the hardest hamstring exercise to do, and mm-hmm. that's the Nor- and that's the Nordic ham drop. Oh, brutal! <laughs> yep. So they're my they're my fave, and I think they are incredibly effective as well. They have to be done with good form, yeah. To actually to actually target the hamstrings and um, and also to protect the back, make sure, sure that you're not engaging your lower back to do it. Um, but yeah, those would be my favorite. The Nordic Nordic ham drops. Brilliant. Well, thank you for sharing those with us. That's okay. Um, and what do you think about the glutes? Do you believe you need to activate them first in order to, to get a good workout? Hmm. Yes and no. So two-pronged two two answer here. Um, the glutes for some people, uh, not everybody, but some people, they can be a little bit, I guess, on the sleepy side. You sit on them all day. And so just rocking up to the gym they may require just a little bit of uh, band work just to wake them up. Sure. I, say a little bit, I say a little bit of band work. I do mean a little bit of band work. Yeah. Because one of, the, one of the worst things that you can do is to get to the gym, totally exhaust your glutes using a band, which will be very detrimental to you when you come and do your next exercises, which are usually your big compound lifts because you do those first so if you've already pre-exhausted your glutes by using a band, you're not going to be uh, able to use them as well when it comes to doing your big compound lifts. And again, your form might be compromised because you've already exhausted them. For, sure. those, for those who are a little bit more advanced in the gym, you probably don't require your glutes to be activated using a band first because through the time that you would have spent in the gym, you probably would have developed a good mind-muscle connection and you should be able to feel your glutes if you've got quite a bit of experience in lifting. Definitely. So, so they're neither, so I guess bands are neither good, uh, they're neither good nor, nor bad. Um, they are just, um, just need to be used for, for that specific purpose. Brilliant. And what do you think of waist trainers? Do you do you use them or <laughs> the good old waist trainers? Yeah, Conten- a contentious <laughs> topic for quite a lot of people. The love love hate a love hate uh, uh, scenario with waist trainers. Yes, uh, thrown in. Yeah. Okay. So my uh, my opinion 
I use a waist trainer and I use one that um, uh, it's uh, um, it's called uh, it's called X-Core. I think a lot of the, the bikini girls probably would recognize it. It's the one that Elisa Piccini um, and Attila um, also use. Yeah, from Russia, I think it is. So that's what I use, and I've used that for a number of years. The And I find it helps. As I said before, um, I, I have a back injury, and it is incredibly supportive um, for my back when I'm doing my large lifts. I don't use it for the purpose of making my waist smaller. I don't think... I'm, I'm that part of the weight, the whole waist trainer, um, I guess ethos is I'm not entirely convinced that it can do that, make it smaller. Um, however, it is great for support. And I also use it for, I have some, I have some pretty, uh, dominant obliques. Sure. Uh, and they like to, they like to kick in and do a lot of the work. So I like to use my waist trainer to keep those uh, keep those obliques in check as well. Yeah, the, uh, yep, yep. the other reason I use it as well is when I'm doing my big lifts, I like to have that pressure against my abdomen region, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I have a very small um, hernia on my left-hand side. Right. And I, and I find that a waist trainer pull tight across my lower abdomen really helps me when I'm doing my big lift so I'm not straining against that hernia sure. and, 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 the, and the, the abdominal wall has something to press against. Brilliant. No, that mm. makes total sense. So would you, yeah. you use it as opposed to a weight belt or you, like, that is sort of your weight belt? That is my, that is my, weight, my weight belt at the moment. And I'm still looking to, um, to get a weight belt. Um, it's just something that I haven't, I haven't yet managed to get around to doing. Brilliant. So the next question is, so for bikini competitors, do you think they should focus on compound movements or isolate the areas that build that six hourglass shape? I think when you first start off in the gym, I think it is a really good idea that you focus on mastering the basics. I do think that you should focus on uh, getting really good form in those big compound lifts. And um, for bikini competitors, they will mostly be uh, the squats and the deadlifts as opposed to things, the big compound lifts like the bench press. Um, you, know, you, don't, you don't see a lot of bikini girls doing you know, big lifts on the bench press. Um, sure. So I do think that you should be able to master the basics at least and have really good form in those compound lists. But as I said earlier, you also do need to use and utilize a number of accessory um, exercises as well. Um, I think you should also bear in mind that the bikini division, it does have a distinctive uh, shape about it and you need to train according to that category, to what it is that they're looking for. So, I mean, just as an example, if you're a powerlifter, you train for powerlifting. You know, you train for strength. You, you work on your one rep max, et cetera, et cetera. No requirement for bikini competitors to do that. So, to be honest, I, I don't believe that anybody, if you're a bikini competitor, nobody cares what you're lifting in the gym, really. Yeah. Um, you should just be making sure that 
whatever lifts you're doing, particularly those compound ones, that you are doing them well and with good form and then throwing in those accessory ones as well. Definitely agreed. So would you say um, you're a macros girl or do you follow a meal plan? I guess it's kind of both. So my plan is uh, is macros and calorie-based. So, of course, if you... If you hit your macros, you typically hit your you hit your calories. Sure. So, so mine is a combination of macro hitting macros and calories. And I do have a plan. I am a creature of habit. I like the foods on my plan. I have options that I can choose from on my plan, but I know what I like, and I stick right. to the things and I stick to the things that I like. So maybe give us an example of what that would look like. Do you have a couple of meals that you sort of repeat first couple of meals of the day? So I always start off uh, my first meal, which is usually my, pre, my pre-workout meal, yeah. um, will normally be uh, wheat bix or rice flakes uh, in the morning, almond butter and, and egg whites, not together. I'm not, I'm, not that, I'm not that type of person. I can't eat my egg whites with anything else apart from they've got to be on their own. So I can't, yeah, I can't cook them with anything else. So that's my, that's my pre-workout. Um, for my post-workout, I'll have white rice and a protein sauce, usually red meat. Yeah. And then throughout the day, I'll have my other meals. I typically have about five or six meals a day. So other meals will consist of more wheat bakes or rice flakes, uh, egg yolks, egg whites, um, rice, and protein sauces, and then more carbs, berries, oranges, uh, what else do I eat? Yeah, there's, I have a number of options that it's available to me to eat. But as I said, I'm a creature of habit and I like eating the same thing day in, day out, as boring as that may sound to some people. No, I think it makes it easier. It makes life easier. <laughs> certainly does. certainly does. Yeah. Do you find any of, um, of the vegetables bloat you? Like, do you need to cut them out sort of closer to showtime or stevia? Do you keep those things out sort of peak week? Yes, I don't eat, I don't eat kumara. Right. I find I find kumara gives me a little bit of digestive distress. There are a number of other vegetables as well that give me digestive distress. Sure. <laughs> um, so uh, I don't eat um, I don't eat capsicums. I don't eat broccoli. I don't actually I don't eat any cruciferous vegetables at all. I don't eat beans. Yeah. Um, so pretty much my vegetables are um, I eat a lot of bok choy and I eat a lot of spinach. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And so how far do you differ from your stage weight? Do you sort of try and stay within a region um, off uh, improvement season and, and in season? Um, I, I typically don't vary uh, very, very much. I would say that in an off season or an improvement season, there may be a difference of maybe two kilos. What's that? That's five pounds. pounds. Yeah, I'd say that that would be the difference. Um, so I, I definitely do not vary very much at all, yeah. and I and I do prefer it that I do prefer it that way. I am naturally on the smaller side, and I'm naturally quite lean anyway. But I find that that's where my that's where my body sits most comfortable. Great. And do you think there are any sort of over the counter supplements that um, are beneficial to bikini competitors? Do you take any, or do you think it's it's not necessary to? take any to to do well Mm, supplements i think should 
be seen as just that. They should supplement an already, you know, top-notch nutrition program and training program. And so I don't believe any of them are mandatory at yeah. all. However, some of them may help certain competitors, particularly on the maybe on the vitamins and minerals side of things where certain competitors may be deficient in those particular vitamins or minerals. For myself, two things that I always take. I always take creatine. I always take glutamine. And I always take fish oil supplements. Great. Everything, everything else that I take is, I would say, not mandatory and just may help in certain areas. But I could probably do without them. Yeah. Um, I do use protein powder. Um, and my protein powder, I simply use uh, sort of as a uh, substitute for when I can't get my protein through proper food. Sure. So it's very, very convenient in that way. And then uh, what else do I take? I think that's about it. That's all I, that's, yeah, that's all I take. I don't think anything should be considered mandatory for a bikini yeah. competitor. Well, that's great. You know, they don't have to sort of take a heap of stuff. So that's cool for listeners. No. Um, oh, and I, oh, and I, also, um, I also don't do pre-workouts. I never right. do pre-workouts. Um, my pre-workout my pre is caffeine as I said earlier I have two yeah. minutes before I go to the gym um and that's a black you know, black strong coffee um I don't take pre-workout pre a lot of the pre-workouts don't agree with me particularly those that contain beta alanine right um that doesn't react very well with me at all so hence I stay away from it yeah they can make you feel a bit edgy I've, I've tried a couple mm. in the past and I took quarter strength and I was like oh never again but mm. Yeah, have to try to know these things. Um, of course. So um, in regards to your makeup, do you do it yourself or do you always employ a makeup artist? And if you do um, see someone, is there anyone you can recommend um, for the girls out there? So when I started competing, I always used somebody else. And then I went through a phase mid this year when I guess to a certain extent I was forced to learn to do it myself. Yeah. Um, and now I'm going back to using the professionals. So I have learned how to do it myself. I watched, um, you know, girls, if you're ever struggling, there's plenty of YouTube videos out there of bikini competitors and what you need to do for stage, stage makeup. Um, so highly recommend YouTube for that. But yeah, so I used makeup artists at the start. And then when I went to China to compete, I decided I needed to learn to do my makeup myself. Because trying to arrange a makeup artist in China was was nigh on impossible. <laughs> wow! So, so I had to learn, so, yeah, so I had to learn to do it myself. And then I also did it myself um, for my regional show, which was the Naturals regional show in August. But I went back to using a makeup artist for my last show. And is there any products yeah, that you'd recommend the girls using? Any any brands or? Um, so for, for myself, I, I have gone by the recommendations of previous makeup artists that I use. And for myself, I will always use Mac Studio Fix for my foundation. I have yep. two colors, um, that I use that I sometimes, uh, that I either blend together 
to get a slightly darker color or I use the darker one as a contour. So I'd be lost without MAC Studio Fix. So ladies, if you're ever in the market for, um, for uh, a good foundation, I can highly recommend MAC. I do appreciate and acknowledge that um, it is not vegan. And so obviously some ladies will stay, will stay away from it because of that very reason. And that, that, I completely understand that. But I highly recommend MAC for that. And the other product I, that I would not be able to live without would be, um, I can't remember what it is, but it's a Bobbi Brown stick. Um, not a concealer, but it's more of a contour stick. It's like a cream-based, great for those of us who weren't born with sharp features such as wonderful cheekbones. So this gives the, this gives the illusion of having amazing cheekbones. So highly recommend, highly recommend that. Great. Yeah, they're quite good. If you go into MAC, you, they'll sort of give you a couple of test pots. Like I t- went and showed them my photo and they sort of tried to match it up. So, yeah, they were really That's, helpful. Yeah, very helpful. Brilliant. And seeing you're such a good poser yourself, can you give us some posing tips for the newcomers to the sport that don't have a clue what they're doing? Uh, um, okay, so a couple of tips. Uh, two things I will say. Uh, one, get yourself a posing coach. Two. Agreed. <laughs> Number two, start early. Yeah. Never, never, ever leave it too late. Very, very difficult to give posing tips, um, I guess, sure. general, pos- general posing tips because posing is very much uh, individualized to that particular person. But I can um, honestly say that you, you must get yourself a posing coach and somebody who is familiar and knows the posing requirements for that particular federation, because as I'm sure you appreciate, different federations have different posing requirements. So get yourself somebody who knows whichever federation it is you're competing in. And, and the other one, start early. Definitely. Absolutely. Don't, don't, don't leave it until like a couple of weeks out from your competition. Um, you will not have enough time to... Uh, not only memorize your routine, but to uh, pull it off with confidence on stage. So you must start early. Yeah, absolutely. So do you offer face-to-face as well as, say, FaceTime posing? So I only offer face-to-face posing. I don't do online. Sure. That is, that is my preference. For me personally, I'm not convinced that I could offer uh, a good posing coaching service online and and, and sort of too much of a sort of a hands-on person trying to you know maneuver hips and shoulders into specific positions and something like that is I find is very very hard to do online Um, there are um, some great ladies out there um, who are posing coaches who are able to do this and I can highly recommend them um, online myself I can't do online so only face-to-face Sure, and and where can the girls find you? Um, what's your Instagram handle so if they want to so, reach out if they're in Wellington? So, ladies, if you do want to have a posing session with me, um, you can just uh, slide on into my DMs. My Instagram handle is uh, Catherine underscore Daniel underscore IFBB Pro. Brilliant. You I don't have it. I think I think I've got that right. I've only recently changed it, of course. So um, I think sure. that was the right one. And I'll put it in the show notes as well so the girls can find it. Wonderful. Brilliant. So what advice, Catherine, would you give to girls out there, women, um, striving towards winning their pro card? Hmm. Um, I think the first thing is, as I said earlier, 
appreciate and recognize that this is normally um, a marathon and not a sprint. These things typically don't come easy and they don't come overnight. Most ladies have competed many, 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 many times before they mm. turn pro. I mean, I've competed uh, 12 times. I, I've got a funny feeling that somebody like even Angelica Teixeira competed 14 times, I think, before she turned pro. I, sure. might, have, I might have that wrong, but you know, that sort of number wouldn't surprise me in the slightest in terms of the, the time that it takes to right. turn pro. Um, so, so I guess just acknowledge that uh, good things take time and you really want to be certain, like, this is me anyway, when you get that pro card that you have a physique that is worthy of that mm. pro card. Um, I guess I would never want to put myself in a position where I was getting up on a pro stage and standing next to some amazing, incredible pro physiques and not feel like I belonged. Sure. Absolutely. So, it definitely takes time. So just take the time to build the foundation, take the time to build the shape that the judges and the federation are looking for and just keep striving towards it. Don't quit. Brilliant. Great advice. And a question I'm sure all of your followers are wanting to know, are you striving towards the Olympia stage, Catherine? <laughs> <laughs> Too soon, she says. Oh, Too goodness. Um, I mean, I think, I think if, you ask, um, if you ask any bikini competitor who is really certain that they're in it for the long term and loves the sport and have just turned pro, I think some of them would be would be telling a little white lie if they mm. said that Olympia wasn't, you know, their ultimate goal. Um, is it my is is it my ultimate goal? Um, I haven't set any new goals for myself since earning my pro card, um, but I would be lying if I said that um, Olymp the the Olympia wasn't um, kind of on my radar. Totally. What I will what I will say is that. I'm also, I'm, as, as, even though I'm, um, even though I'm, I'm, I'm confident in my abilities, I'm also a realist. I sure. am, I am nearly 43. Um, and even though if I got to the Olympia stage, I, even though I know I wouldn't be the oldest skinny competitor to ever grace that stage, I think, um, I think Jerry uh, Jerry Berger from Hawaii um, yes. is currently uh, currently the the oldest bikini competitor that has ever got to Olympia, and kudos to her. She is she's a fantastic woman. She has an amazing physique, but whether I, I can physically get there, um, who knows? I mean, sure. you know, it's, I will always keep striving towards it. But I am a realist, and I acknowledge that. I guess the likelihood of me ever reaching Olympia is is slim. <laughs> but no, that I wouldn't say that. But yeah, but it's a very competitive sport, isn't it? It is very competitive, but it's it'll and it'll still never stop me from striving towards that goal. Brilliant, I love that. I'm going to throw in a wild card question, um, and I think I know the answer already. But do you think it's important or necessary for um, girls out there um, to get a breast augmentation in order to compete? Um, personally, I think, I think no. Um, mm. 
I obviously don't have um, I don't have breast augmentation. I, a lot of, of competitors, a lot of bikini competitors do. Um, hey, look, I have no issue at all with that. Um, it's, you know, having breast augmentation is a personal thing. And totally. I'm pretty sure that there are very few, there are very few people, or very few ladies out there who had breast augmentation just to compete. You know, and mm. I'll, put that in, I'll put that in inverted commas, you know, um, in quotes. Um, I think it's very unlikely. Most women, I guess, would, would get breast augmentation because that is what they wanted to do for themselves. Exactly. Um, not, not because they wanted to compete or they thought that they needed to have them to progress in the sport. Um, there are plenty of pros out there who do not have breast augmentation. Yeah. Um, and they are doing very, very well indeed. So I think my, I guess my bottom line closing statement is no, I do not think you absolutely must have breast augmentation. Um, yeah, sure. To be a successful bikini competitor. Brilliant. And we're coming to a close, so I'm going to ask mm. you, who are your biggest supporters and is there anyone out there that you would like to thank for their support over the years? Um, I think, I mean, the, the, my biggest supporter is um, uh, is my husband. Yeah. He, he does it very quietly in the background. But he awesome. is one of my biggest. But he is one of my biggest supporters. My parents, of course, uh, they do not live in New Zealand. They live in the UK. They will always be my biggest supporters. They will always support me in anything I choose to do, however, however um, crazy, <laughs> however crazy it seems to be. They will always support me, and uh, I, I do have a number of um, very close friends that I've made. Um, over the years that I have been competing, um, who I know are always there for me. So Juliet, um, Juliet is spelled in um, in Auckland, and uh, Safka, um, in currently in Christchurch, but she'll be living in Auckland soon. Um, those ladies, um, yep, I know that they're always there for me. Um, so oh, I just want to thank them. Cool. Thank you so much, Catherine, for coming on and being the first person on this podcast. You've been incredible. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's been, it's, been, it's, been, it's been wonderful. I've really enjoyed the questions that you have asked. It's been a fun time. Brilliant. Well, let's, um, we'll also apologize if the audio isn't incredible. Um, but, yeah, we will do our best to get it out there. And, yeah, thank Absolutely. you so much, Catherine. Thank you. Cool. All right. Talk soon.